Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse, but I offered at a satsang a free meditation program and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions. While he gave me the teachings I share here, most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya gurave shisha samsara harine bhakta kayaika dehaya namaste chitsaratmane heta vejagatameva samsara navasetave Prabhave Saiva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshvara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Chasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Swarupa Swaswabhava Namo Namaha Oh, I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self. Your own self, the one self, being all while being you. Oh, Shiva, again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha. Multidimensionality. Your body is affected by your mental state and your emotions. You may have noticed this already. It certainly is well known with adrenaline. When your adrenal glands are triggered, your air passageways expand and blood is sent to your legs and arms so you can fight or flee. What you may not know is that adrenaline also slows or stops your digestion. If you live an adrenaline-rich life, you'll have poor digestion and elimination. What causes adrenaline to be released? Oh, your mind. Anger and fear trigger the release of both adrenaline and noradrenaline. It's your thoughts and emotions that begin the whole cascade. Thus, 
your thoughts and emotions affect your body. It's a simplistic example, one of many that I could use. And it's proven to be true, not only through research, but through your own life experience. Fortunately, yoga changes the way you think and react. Most people invest a tremendous amount of mental and emotional energy in fear and desire. And when their desire is thwarted, they get angry. So they are either anxious or angry most of the time. Sometimes even both anxious and angry at the same time. But with yoga, your anxiety goes down. Your desires are less compelling. You're less needy, less frustrated, less likely to fly off the handle at every little thing. With yoga and meditation, you begin to sail through life. You have a deep keel and you're not rocked by every little wave. I began with saying that your body is affected by your mind and emotions. It also works the other way around. Your body affects your mind and emotions. You can start with your body to make a change in your mind and emotions. If you arrive at a yoga class all head up about something, it's okay. Yoga is come as you are. (laughs) And in 90 minutes, it's all died down. The circumstances haven't changed, but you've used your body to bring your mind down off red alert. Your body can affect your mind and emotions. You can do other things with your body to help with your mind and emotions as well. A massage can do it. Some people use food. Maybe for you, a hot bath will do it. Ah, but not exercise. Again, medical research has checked these things out. As reported online in PubMed, yoga gives you all the health benefits of exercise, but there's one big difference between them. Exercise has been shown to increase your stress hormones, while yoga makes your stress hormones decrease. Clearly, yoga makes you calmer. So does meditation, another of yoga's practices that has been well-researched. Healthline.com lists 12 benefits of meditation, including that it reduces stress and controls anxiety. Want some? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to do. But how does it work? How does your mind affect your body? And how does your body affect your mind? Decades ago, a new term was coined to explain it, the body-mind connection. Yoga says, yeah, uh, and no. The mind and body are not two different things that are connected to each other, like the light switch on the wall and the overhead light it controls. Mind and body are two different levels of one thing. Like the ocean, one of yoga's most frequently used metaphors. While waves are churning across the ocean, the depths remain silent and still but the waves are part of the ocean. They are not something separate that's connected to the depths. These are simply different levels of one thing called ocean. 
In this way, mind and body are not connected. They are two different levels of the same thing. What is this thing? You. You are a multidimensional reality made of consciousness, manifesting as a separate and unique individual. This is documented in a sutra from the Pratyabhinya Hridayam, Sutra 7. Though consciousness is one, she becomes twofold, threefold, fourfold, and of the nature of seven pentads. Sachaiko dvirupas trimayas chaturatma saptapanchika swabhavaha. Though consciousness is one, she becomes twofold, threefold, fourfold, and of the nature of seven pentads. I'll say the same thing a different way. The one divine reality called consciousness in this sutra is the one. This is the one from which all have come, the one that is being all while being the one. The one into which all this will resorb at the end of time, the one, also called Shiva in this sutra called consciousness, Chitti. The one becomes many, manifesting all within herself, with each as a separate and unique individual form of herself. This sutra says that you can look at how she does it through different filters. And you can see it as a twofold process, a threefold process, a fourfold process, or a 35 fold process. All are true. Sachaiko dvirupas trimayas chaturatma saptapanchika swabhavaha. Though consciousness is one, she becomes twofold, threefold, fourfold, and of the nature of seven. Pentad seven times five is 35. Let's look at the fourfold process. I'm going to explain some of yoga's technical terminology, hopefully in a way that makes sense to you. Fortunately, this is all written up for you in my teachings article from March 2017, six years ago precisely. It is titled, Healing is a Multidimensional Process. We begin with Shiva, who is consciousness, the one, which is all beingness, all knowingness, and all expansive ecstasy. Shiva is already fuller than full. So how does Shiva become more? By becoming less. Shunya, the void. Shiva hides the fullness and ecstasy of his own being by taking on the illusion of emptiness named Shunya by the sages. This is the void, the seeming emptiness that existed before the Big Bang. When you experience deep and profound meditative immersion, you are experiencing the void. In the beginning, it seems to be an infinite inner emptiness, but then you realize it's not empty. The void is Shiva's first illusion in manifesting the universe. But when you're delving inward to uncover your own essence, it is the final illusion for you to pierce. Experiencing the void is a very profound and deep meditation called Asampranyata Samadhi. 
All the Swarupa sciences help you dive into that inner depth easily, ready to ready you to pierce the last veil that is blocking the knowing of your own self. Within the void, while being the void, Shiva pulsates. The pulsation is prana, the energy of aliveness that brings the universe into being. It's an invisible movement, like when the wind blows through a vast open sky. If there are no telephone wires, no trees or clouds, you cannot see that the wind is moving, but something is truly moving. Prana is the energy that brings life itself into being. Shiva moving within Shiva. That's called prana. Prana moving through the void coalesces itself into an energetic template, like clouds coalesce in the sky. This template is called puryashtaka. It is your subtle body, which includes your mind and senses. Each cloud-like template is composed of eight ashta capacities, eight the five senses, and the three aspects of mind. These eight form the energetic body that is the basis for your individuality, Puryashtaka. Just as energy condenses into matter, Puryashtaka condenses into physical form. Stula Sharira, your physical body. This is how your body comes to exist, with your parents getting involved, of course. And it's how every blade of grass, every monkey, and every rock comes into existence. You already know it's all made of energy. The physical form in which you live is merely the densest level of the multiple levels of your being, all going on at the same time. What this means is your body is made of your mind. Your body is the physical form of your mind. Well, close. For most people, body lags about two years behind mind. So if two years ago, your mind was filled with desires and anxiety, today your body will still be suffering from the repercussions of, I'll call it, adrenaline poisoning. Which means you could have problems with digestion and elimination as well as other things just because of the way you lived with your mind two years ago. Ouch. You know, you might have thought, uh, Guru Devi, you mean I can't just start repeating mantra now and get immediate physical effects? Of course, if you repeat mantra now, you get immediate physical effects, but they don't reach the deepest layers right away. You've got a backlog of reactions. Dare we call it internal programming? that is going to take a while to clear, which is why the Swarupa sciences include the poses as well as the breathing practice to speed up your process of physical change. With meditation and mantra, you're working from the inside outward, from Puryashtaka, the subtle level, the mind, outward toward your physical body. With poses, you're working from the outside inward, from your physical body, toward the energy template that makes your body be as it is.
This is all tracked in your genes as well. Somebody told me recently that their father had a certain medical problem, so it's in their genes. That makes them think their diagnosis was inevitable. That could very well be true. However, genes are switched off or switched on. You can affect whether that gene will ever be triggered or not. However, once it's triggered, you likely need medical care. By the time the energetic imbalance hits the physical level, it's harder to unravel. Let's look at genes a little more. It's merely physicalized karma. A genetic researcher at Harvard Medical School, David Sinclair, describes it this way. Let's say you were born with a genetic predisposition for heart disease and diabetes. But because you exercised, ate a plant-focused diet, slept well, and managed your stress through most of your life, it's possible those genes would never be activated. That, experts say, is how we can take some of our genetic fate into our own hands. His team's latest find is that the body cell's functionality is based on information, not just nutrition, not just exercise, but information. Yoga calls it consciousness. It's a cellular level process. He's studying aging, and he describes it this way. I call it the information theory of aging. It's a loss of information that drives aging cells to forget how to function, to forget what type of cell they are. And now, in his research, we can tap into a reset switch that restores the cell's ability to read the genome correctly again, as if it was young. They literally reset the cells which makes blind mice able to see, and aging mice get young again. It's all based on what the cells themselves know about themselves. He further describes it. Our work has led us to the conclusion that the loss of epigenetic information is likely the root cause of aging. By analogy, If DNA is the digital information on a compact disc, then aging is due to scratches. We're searching for the polish. Yes, yoga and meditation polish up your cells. There are distinct metabolic changes with yoga and meditation, culminating in a radical transformation of the physical body. Baba described it this way, talking about a Shaktipat guru. The entire body of such a guru has become permeated with Shakti, with divine energy. In fact, the guru becomes the embodiment of Shakti to such an extent that that hat he wears, his clothes, and the mat on which he sits becomes permeated with that energy. And just by touching them, a disciple can receive Shakti. Just as there's a process by which your body loses its vitality, there's a process by which it regains it. While that process is physical, it is more than physical. It is often referred to as mind-body healing, 
but the mind and body are both products of something deeper. What you need to work on is that deeper dimension, like the roots of a plant that determine how well the flowers sprout. You work on that deeper dimension through meditation, in yoga class and yoga therapy sessions. The whole thing is about the moment when you slip deep inside. That sweet, timeless moment of pure beings. This is when the healing happens. It comes from consciousness, which is your own self. Let's look at how this happens. For this, we go back to the fourfold model of consciousness described in the Pratyabhinya Hridaya. The sage Shemaraja described the process from the top down, how consciousness becomes the individual. Now we'll look at it from the other way around, how the individual becomes consciousness. Baba gave us a similar fourfold map of the inner process of becoming enlightened. It's not a precise overlay of the sutra, but it's close enough to work with. Baba explained that once you receive Shaktipat, the meditative energy moves you through the levels from the outside inward. This is done by means of mantra. When you use the mantra, I'll call it a mantra mobile, you move through these levels fairly quickly. It's like you're driving your mantra mobile on a superhighway to consciousness. Baba described it for us that the mantra carries you through the four bodies, which correspond to the fourfold model of consciousness, which also corresponds to the four levels of speech. And Baba said, Everyone is aware of the speech of the tongue. It is called vaikari and corresponds to the gross body, the physical body. With the subtle intellect, one can also know the second level of speech, which is in the throat. There, words have taken form, but have not yet emerged. This level is called madhyama and corresponds to the subtle body. At a deeper level, words exist in the heart. This is the third level of speech, pashyanti, which corresponds to the causal body. Here, words are hidden, and what arises at this level is matrika, the energy of consciousness emanating forth in words. Beneath this level is a fourth level, para, which corresponds to the supracausal body. Some say that para is in the navel region, but in actuality, this subtle level of speech pervades everywhere. I'll go through it again. <laughs> you begin with out loud mantra repetition, and it changes your physical body. The first stage of that is called the relaxation response, wonderfully triggered by just a few Sanskrit syllables. But more is happening. It's like each time you repeat the mantra, it echoes into your inner essence, affecting the more subtle levels of your multidimensionality. You are getting this benefit when you repeat mantra aloud, or as I sometimes describe, you place it on your tongue. This is the Vaikari level, at the level of Vak or speech. When you've repeated mantra enough at this level, aloud or silently feeling it on your tongue, 
the mantra slips into a deeper level called Madhyama. You will feel the mantra throbbing or vibrating in your throat, maybe even a little tickle. This level is in the middle, Madhya, between outside and inside. This is happening in your subtle body, your aura or energetic body. Mantra is saturating your mind and emotions with consciousness. When you've repeated mantra enough at this level, which is a silent repetition, it slips into a deeper level at the level of your heart. This is the Pashanti level, the soul level. Here, mantra begins to clear your karmas, those which cause you to be born lifetime after lifetime. At this level, most people go unconscious, a deep dive into asamprajñata samadhi, a quiet and vast inner space. When you surface from this level, you can tell that you're squeaky clean. So much has been cleared away. Mantra does this when it vibrates in your heart. How do you get it there? Repeat it at the other two levels first. Some people aren't willing to apply their mind to the process, so they won't get those initial levels of clearing. Then they suffer from what I call pinpoint enlightenment. It's like if you've taken a piece of paper, put a pinprick in it, and then look through the pinhole at the sun. Yes, you see the sun. But if you look an inch in either direction, you lose the light. You must use the mantra to clear the other levels if you're interested in being fully enlightened. Even when the mantra is vibrating at your heart level, at soul level, there's more. The mantra settles deeper to your navel and below, ultimately pervading the whole universe. This is the para level. In fact, the mantra is already there. You just weren't able to perceive it until you did some clearing. Now you can live in the multidimensionality of your own beingness. For mantra has cleared the pathway inward, so the light of your own beingness now can shine outward. This means your body is spiritualized. It is, as Benjamin Witchcote, a 17th century Anglican minister said, good men spiritualize their bodies. This explains Baba's description of the change in a realized being's body. The entire body of such a guru has become permeated with Shakti, divine energy. In fact, the guru becomes the embodiment of Shakti to such an extent that the hat he wears, his clothes, and the mat on which he sits become permeated with it. Baba told many stories of gurus he met where he was allowed to touch their shoes or their walking stick and got their energy. And people certainly had that experience around him. I even have a small piece of carpet from Baba's bedroom on which he used to walk barefoot. Yes, there's Shakti in it. In other words, your body is not just a physical object. It is the outermost expression of the multidimensionality of your own being. The words you say and the thoughts you think have an effect on your body. Yoga reverses that effect and uplifts your whole being as well as your body. Particularly mantra is your most powerful tool for this. 
it's not just mantra that shapes your mind and body. You see, the words and thoughts you are already thinking, that is what you're becoming. There's a sutra that says this, whatever you're thinking, that is what you're becoming. Another reason to do more mantra. And of course, you can use yoga poses and yogic breathing to work the process the other way from the outermost layer of body, making changes inward to align yourself with consciousness. Each time you do this inner alignment, you are healed from the inside outward. This deep inner absorption is what creates the healing of our healing-oriented yoga, the therapeutic effects of our yoga therapy. All you have to do is align yourself with consciousness, which is who you are. Ultimately, yoga does urge you to want even more. To not merely align yourself, but to discover that you are consciousness. You already are consciousness. You always have been. You just need to know that which you already are. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha.